Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to connect with you, to be the two or more gathered in the name and the nature of love, to together access our Christed nature. Yes. (laughs) I'm Jennifer Hadley, and I love A Course in Miracles. I'm so grateful for this teaching. So grateful that it has this infinite exploratory explorability for me at least and I'm so happy to share with you this week uh, our topic is escape from the cruel war and for those who may be listening later years from now the cruel war that's happening right now in the world that is most visible to me as an American is Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. And my intuition is that uh, this will be the end of Russia as we've known it. This will be the undoing of that Russian aggression energy. It's just my intuition. We'll see what happens. But I'm putting it out there because I'm not afraid to be wrong. And I'm not, it, it, and in a sense, it doesn't matter whether I'm right or wrong. But what does matter is that peace prevails. That's what matters, that truth prevails. And so let's pray. Let's begin with a prayer. So I place my hand on my heart. Take that breath of love and gratitude. We're lifting up above the battlefield into an awareness of perfect love as our true identity and that the power and the presence of God is in our awareness. It's where our thoughts are, where we place our attention. And so we're placing our attention on peace right now. We're placing our attention on love right now. We're placing our attention on gratitude. We are grateful and thankful that we can have dominion over our mind. We can have spiritual sovereignty. And that is our strong intention and aspiration. Spiritual sovereignty. Dominion over the restless mind. An end to mind wandering and a permanent state of miracle-mindedness, right-mindedness. This is what we're anchoring today, now, right here, right now. This now, right now. And we are grateful to claim that our mind, our life, our experience is the peace of heaven. The peace of heaven in the sense of peace and harmony. And so we are anchoring it and we're declaring it for everyone because we are one with them, united in this field that is the peace of heaven, that is the love of God. That is what we are, and we're willing to name it and claim it. In gratitude, we are naturally sharing the benefits with all of our brothers and sisters. We let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Yes, 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 yes. Oh my goodness. 
I feel full to running over. Hmm. Yes. All right. Well, the piece of heaven is the section that we are going to be looking at today in our topic here of the escape from the cruel war. We're looking at the peace of heaven. It's chapter 13, section 11, and it begins like this. Forgetfulness and sleep and even death become the ego's best advice for dealing with the perceived and harsh intrusion of guilt on peace. So forgetfulness, forgetfulness is forgetting the truth that sets us free. Forgetting to remember that love is all there is. Forgetfulness and sleep. And in my reading this, I think of the sleep that happens when we go to sleep, take a nap, or go to sleep in our bed. But it's also the kind of sleep when we're barely paying attention and we're barely awake. And I, I think of all the times that I used to drive to Agape when I lived in Los Angeles, as so I used to go there three, four, five times a week. And I did it so often that I could do it on autopilot, as many of us can. If you have a a, a lengthy commute uh, or and it's a frequent trip that you're making, like me, three, four, five times a week, then you you can actually kind of autopilot yourself there. And so there's that kind of sleep, too. We could call it sleepwalking. And uh, there's a song that uh, Ricky Byers and Michael Beckwith wrote uh, that it, it's called Genesis. And it's one of my very favorite songs. And it talks in there about Walking asleep, dreaming I was awake. And that was how I used to live. So I understand that. Forgetfulness and sleep and even death become the ego's best advice for dealing with the perceived and harsh intrusion of guilt on peace. So it's perceived. That that means it's not actually happening. It's a perception. What's real is not a perception, right? It's a knowing. There's a clarity. There's truth to it. Perception is different. Perception is our interpretation. And it's really important, I think, to be careful what words we use because they are symbolic. As Jesus tells us, words are but symbols of symbols. They are symbolic. They're symbolic of what we think and what we believe. And we choose the words that best represent what we think and what we believe. Sometimes we do that. Many times we don't. (laughs) Many times we don't. I've had so many conversations where people will say things and then I'll question them. I'm not thinking of a perfect example right now, but let's see. Let me just be still a moment here. Somebody will say, this is a common one. People will say, um, if I say, oh, how how are you feeling about that trip you're going on later in the month? You're going to uh, the Caribbean on vacation. Yeah, I'm, I'm anxious for it to begin. And I say, why are you worried about it? Is there some fear that something could happen? And they say, no, I'm not worried at all. I said, well, you just said you were anxious about it. And they're like, no, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm like, well, feeling anxious and feeling excited are different things, though sometimes we can confuse them. So sometimes somebody will say, I'm worried about this. And I say, what is your fear? And they say, no, I don't have any fear. 
I'm like, well, you just said you were worried. Um, sometimes people will say they hate something, and I'll say, you, really, you hate it? That's a very strong emotion. And they're like, no, I, I don't hate it. No, I, I just don't like it. I'm like, so we're very careless with our words, and I can be that way as well. I think I've mentioned this before, that one of the things that I have found is that I'll be talking with friends, telling them a story about something that happened to me, and I have a tendency to dramatize things as a storyteller, make it more interesting, more dramatic. And I used to be a drama queen uh, of that, there's no question. And uh, now I'm not interested in being a drama queen at all. Thank you very much. Those days are gone forever, I hope. <laughs> and, uh, or I intend, I know. And, but in telling a story, I dramatize it. Whether it's a story from my own experience or whether it's the story of a movie, I, I enjoy doing that. I was a theater major in college. I have a master's degree in screenwriting. When I was a little girl, I used to put on plays and direct and write them and cast my the neighborhood in my plays. Uh, I've been a dramatist since I was a little girl. So that's my thing. But sometimes I'll tell a story to friends about something that's happened in my experience. And I'll tell it with all this drama, which the drama has to do with my opinions and my judgments and my complaints and all of that. So I'll tell the whole story and then I'll realize now, actually, I don't have those opinions. I don't have those judgments. I'm just putting them out there for entertainment value. I realize I've just told you the story from the perspective of my old personality, not from my current self. I'm actually not bothered or upset about this at all. I don't feel all that drama. It doesn't, it's, I just put it on for the sake of making it interesting. And, and I do love drama. I do. It's uh, one of the things I've noticed. I was thinking about that the other day that um, I would rather listen to an audio book while I'm cooking or walking or driving in the car or something like that than read it because I'm interested in that experience of the human connection. One of my strong faculties as an intuitive is the the audience, the clairaudient factor, the, the audible intuition. And so I like to listen to people tell stories. I like to listen to the news. I still do read news just because it, it can be expedient. And I do take the news as my prayer list. Uh, so I, but I, so I do still find myself, uh, saying something that I don't actually mean or feel and then correcting myself. And anybody who's been in class with me for a while will hear me correct myself that I say, um, I want something. And then I'll say, actually, I, I don't want it. I'd like to have it. And, uh, but I, I don't have that feeling of wanting, needing, craving. I don't have any of that. So I correct myself. And I think that's part of my spiritual maturity and spiritual sovereignty uh, being realized. So going back here to perception uh, is projection, right? And so Jesus says forgetfulness and sleep and even death, these three, become the ego's best advice for our personality for dealing with the perceived and harsh intrusion of guilt on peace. So the intrusion of guilt on peace. We can be peaceful and then we get triggered into feeling guilty. And very often we think that's a bad thing to be triggered. As I talk with people who are triggered almost every day, I connect with people who are triggered about one thing or another. They're reaching out to me for prayer, for some support. And the, the guilt 
and our attachment to that unconscious guilt comes up for healing again and again. And it's important that it does. We do not wish for it to be dormant and to blindside us. Instead, we'd rather be able to have it clearly in our awareness so we can work with the Holy Spirit to completely undo it forever. But the ego's best advice for dealing with this unconscious guilt is forgetfulness, sleep, and even death. Then Jesus says, Yet no one sees himself in conflict and ravaged by a cruel war unless he believes that both opponents in the war are real. So the the opponents in the war for our sanity uh that it can be uh there can be a sense of war that we have in our relationships maybe in our workplace and the sense of being upset by the conflict ravaged by the conflict it comes from believing that the conflict is real and that the enemies are real. But we're all one, so we have no enemies. It's just in the illusion, we're deluded into thinking we have enemies. And when we believe we have enemies, we may attack those enemies. And that, and, and we may attack even the people that we say we love and the ones we say we like and we care so much about because we don't like something they've done or said and we feel threatened by it so we respond within with an attack so for instance on the surface from my perspective and I realize that's what it is it looks as though uh, Putin is, is this aggressor in Ukraine because he would like to seize Ukraine and make it part of Russia and uh, and to have the resources, which are the people and the land and all the other mineral resources that are there in Ukraine and the whatever Ukraine being part of Russia would in his mind, increase his stature or the stature of Russia because I think he maybe sees himself as Russia or Russia is an extension of him and his personality. And so he's not seeing people. He is seeing just what can benefit him and make him feel good, important, powerful, successful, people don't matter. That seems fairly clear. But again, I recognize these are my perceptions. I do not know what anything is for. But I do know that everything works together for good and there's no value to making exceptions. Because it just delays my seeing the good. Now, I have done episodes of this podcast before about conflict. I'm sure you can look up conflict in the in your search in your podcast app. And what Jesus says about conflict is that the basis of all conflict it comes from when we say we want the peace of God but we're choosing something else. So if we're saying we want the peace of God, but we're not willing to pray for those people who despitefully use us, as Jesus taught us when he walked the earth, then we're going to be in conflict. So if we perceive that we have enemies, if we perceive that people should be punished, if we perceive that the things of this world are real, eternal, truthful, then we are going to be in conflict. 
And so the cruel war is when we are ravaged with guilt, the harsh intrusion of guilt on our peace. So he says in the next sentence here, again, chapter 13, section 11, paragraph 1. Yet no one sees himself in conflict and ravaged by a cruel war unless he believes that both opponents in the war are real. Believing this, he must escape. For such a war would surely end his peace of mind and so destroy it. Believing this, believing that uh, the, the opponents in the war are real, we want to escape. For such a war would surely end his peace of mind and so destroy him. Our peace of mind does not come from the circumstances of the world. That is a truth for us to remember. And all that's required is our willingness. But we do have to be willing to remember that our happiness is not circumstantial and our peace is not circumstantial. We can be in the midst of a hurricane and not just in the eye of the hurricane, but we can be in the full force of a hurricane and we can be at peace. We can be in a war zone and we can be at peace. And that would bring bring tremendous benefit. I keep thinking of Jesus and the apostles in the boat in the storm. So remember they were on the lake and Jesus was sleeping in the boat. The storm blows up and the apostles are thinking, oh no, we're going to die, we're going to drown. And he doesn't even care, he's sleeping. (laughs) So they wake him up and he says, he calms the storm, which amazes them. And he says to them, you know, where's your faith? Where's your faith? I'm not going to let you drown, my God. So I'm, I'm getting a reminder of this because the storm is like the war. We are not a body, so there is no death. And yet we do experience the beginning and end of the body temple when we're having this human experience. And our awakening requires us to realize we are not a body, but we have a body to use. And that we can be in tune with the elements, with all of life, just like Jesus taught us and continues to teach us if we're willing. But most of us are so entrenched in the guilt and with the guilt, the victimhood, that life is against us. So Jesus says here, believing that he must escape the cruel war, for such a war would surely end his peace of mind and so destroy him. Or believing this, believing that the opponents in the war are real, we must escape. For such a war would surely end our purse of mind, peace of mind and destroy us. Yet, Jesus says, if he could realize the war is between real and unreal powers, he could look upon himself and see his freedom. Only love is real. There's the freedom. No one finds himself ravaged and torn in endless battles if he himself perceives them as holy without meaning. The war is without meaning. That's what we're discovering here. The war is without meaning. Let's not give it any meaning. And yet, it will serve a purpose that works together for our good. Everything works together for good. Let's not make any exceptions. Let's claim the good for all humanity 
and most especially for the Russian and Ukrainian people. So the good will be there, but will we claim it? Sooner or later, we will. We'll be tired of looking at it from a negative perspective. Everything works together for good. I do not know what anything is for except it is for my good. And we all have things like this that happen in our individual lives where we have to rise above the battlefield and claim our good. Because if we're focused on not good, we're going to experience more and more of that until we turn our attention elsewhere. This is the far too tolerant of mind wandering that Jesus teaches us about. So that's why that that old song, I ain't going to study war no more. And that's how I feel about it. I'm not studying it, but I can tell you I am waking up praying for the people of this world to choose peace instead of war. So any choice that I can make that is for peace instead of war, any choice that I can make to be peaceful instead of in conflict, I am helping all humanity. That is our job right now. And right now it is time for me to go to a break So I'm going to do that. We'll come back and we'll look at this some more. (laughs) I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you are listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're walking the talk, we're living the love, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. I'm Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about A Course in Miracles, and we're looking at the text, as I usually do, and we're talking about Escape from the Cruel War, uh, Section 11 of Chapter 13. And in this very first paragraph here, Jesus says, If he could but realize the war is between real and unreal powers, he could look upon himself and see his freedom. So our freedom is to see that nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. He then says, no one finds himself ravaged and torn in endless battles if he himself perceives them as wholly without meaning. So remember, I've given everything in this world all the meaning that it has for me. So we step back and say, I do not know what anything is for And yet, everything is working together for good, and I'm not going to make any exceptions. Paragraph 2 here, Jesus says, God would not have his son embattled, and so his son's imagined enemy is totally unreal. We're all one. There is no real enemy. It is a fabrication. He says, You are but trying to escape a bitter war from which you have escaped. We've already escaped the war. The war is gone, he says. For you have heard the hymn of freedom rising unto heaven. Gladness and joy belong to God for your release because you made it not. We didn't make joy. And so it's for our release. We don't have to make it. We didn't make it. We couldn't make it. But we can reveal it and we can experience it. He says, yet as you made not freedom, so we didn't make freedom either, so you made not a war that could endanger freedom. 
no matter how we've participated in war. It could be in a messy divorce in our family. It could be in uh, a messy battle over the will of, of our parents or something like that. We have not made a war that could endanger freedom. Freedom is not in danger. Freedom is a spiritual quality that is omnipresent, like joy. And we can express them or not. I always go back to seek first the kingdom of heaven, which is within, and all else will be added unto me. And Jesus tells us in the Course, we are the kingdom, we are the treasure. So these spiritual qualities are what we are. The burden is easy, the yoke is light, L-I-G-H-T, meaning Christ light. So important to shift our perspective. Pain is a wrong perspective. We've given everything all the meaning that it has for us. We contribute to war in the world by having little wars in our office, in our family, in our community. And it's up to us to absolutely remove from our heart, from our mind, any attraction that we have to conflict. All conflict is the result of saying that we want the peace of God, but we're not willing to employ the means necessary to choose it, right? The ends is in the means. So if we would like to have peace, we must be peacefully working towards it. There is no other way. That was Thich Nhat Hanh. Peace is the way. There is no other way. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. So we don't even have to understand these things to accept them and to allow them to be revealed to us in our awareness. So no matter how much we have fought in our life and how guilty we feel because of that, we could not endanger freedom or love or peace. Jesus says, nothing destructive ever was or will be. It's an illusion. We've given everything, all the meaning that it has for us. The war, the guilt, the past are gone as one into the unreality from which they came. The war, the guilt, the past are gone as one altogether into the unreality from which they came. Only love is real. Now, it can be so hard to see this, to get this, to comprehend it, to understand it. So, let's not try. Let's simply be willing to accept that only love is real. So when we look upon war and its devastation, or anger, hatred, the things that we see much closer to home for some of us in our neighborhoods, in our homes, that kind of destructiveness, we can say only love is real, right? So we don't have to hate the hater. Uh, I I once had a friend of mine who was uh, a minister who in a church sermon said, let's pray for the attacker. Let's pray for Putin. Let's pray for whoever the attacker is. And got a huge backlash. I say, yes, let's bless and pray for those who despitefully use us, that they may come into their right mind. Because if I've lost my mind and I am treating people cruelly, then I would hope that someone would pray for me to come back into my right mind. Pray for those who despitefully use us. 
Jesus says here in this section, the peace of heaven, when we are all united in heaven, you will value nothing that you value here. That's an important thing for us to recognize now. When we are all united in heaven, you will value nothing that you value here. For nothing that you value here do you value wholly, completely. And so you do not value it at all. Value is where God placed it, and the value of what God esteems cannot be judged, for it has been established. It is wholly, completely of value. It can merely be appreciated or not. To value it partially is not to know its value. In heaven is everything God values and nothing else. Heaven is perfectly unambiguous. Everything is clear and bright and calls forth one response. There is no darkness and there is no contrast. There is no variation. There is no interruption. There is a sense of peace so deep that no dream in this world has ever brought even a dim imagining of what it is. To me, this is very helpful. There is no darkness and there is no contrast in our true reality. There is no variation. God is the same today, tomorrow, as it was yesterday. Heaven is that way. So it doesn't mean that things aren't being experienced and happening. But there's no incongruency. There's no contrast. This experience we're having in the illusion is one of contrast. We are learning through contrast. And this is something that we talk about uh, frequently in my programs like Masterful Living and Finding Freedom. Finding Freedom, by the way, will be coming up again in June. So if you'd like to get into my spiritual boot camp, come join me in June. And I'll also mention while I'm on the topic some other things that are coming up. My Challenge to End Self-Sabotage, such a good program. That's coming up uh, soon right here in March. Get the details at jenniferhadley.com. Then in May... Uh, I'll be doing my Stop Playing Small Retreat. And you can sign up for these things now. And then you know you've got that like in your back pocket. You're going to be doing that. And you can look forward to it. So powerful to do these programs. I'm also doing in uh, March uh, a program called Hidden Strategies, with Rosalind Rourke, it's on the Enneagrams. I love the Enneagrams. I think they're so helpful to us in navigating this dream back to our true reality. So I, I'm always looking for helpful tools, and the Enneagram has been a helpful tool for me for at least a decade. Well, more than that, for sure, actually. Um, yeah, 15 years maybe. And uh uh, so we're doing a class that you may find it helpful as well. Uh, and we learn through contrast. We learn through the contrast of when we are choosing to be compassionate, to be caring, to be kind, to be prayerful. I'll be doing in April my prayer power program, just so you know what's coming up. And you can always... Uh, Look for the details on the events page at jenniferhadley.com. When we are prayerful and intentional to be loving, compassionate, caring, kind, generous, then we are contributing to the peace of the world, and it affects everything. It affects the weather. It affects the economy. It affects absolutely everything. And... When we are choosing to hold on to regrets and resentments and hurts and blame and shame, well, there's a big contrast, and we will experience that contrast mentally, emotionally, physically, experientially, circumstantially. 
And many times in a class, uh, someone will be having wonderful breakthroughs in one of our programs, uh, releasing a lot of judgment, a lot of complaints, attack thoughts, and they are noticing that the peace of God is emerging in their awareness. They're really feeling it and enjoying that difference. They're starting to experience miraculous shifts in their awareness. And then sometimes people get triggered by something in the world. Something happens. Uh, there's a diagnosis. Uh, somebody is cruel or mean or or lying to the person. There's some upset in some way, shape, or form, and then they start to feel justified in attacking, in complaining, in criticizing, in judging, in harboring uh, negative attack thoughts. Not that there are positive attack thoughts, but (laughs) they're harboring these complaints and judgments and attack thoughts and stewing on it and thinking they're justified. And then they start to experience the breakdown of things that are important to them, like, uh, oh, their car breaks down, they they bounce a check, they uh, find out they missed the deadline for the thing. Those kinds of things begin happening. Other people start attacking them, and they're like, what is happening here? I was doing so well. What happened? Contrast, my friend, contrast. And so the contrast between I was making loving choices, I was forgiving myself, I was clearing out my false beliefs, offering them up to the Holy Spirit, and having so much healing, and then I got triggered into a resentment, I got triggered into a regret, some guilt, I got triggered into attack thoughts, I justified my attack thoughts, I went on a roll with them, I called two or three people, I shared my difficult story with them, and they agreed with me, those people are bad and wrong, and they should be punished, I felt vindicated, victim no more, and then I start experiencing the contrast of my attack thoughts. The victim always has attack thoughts. Always. The person who plays the role of the victim always has attack. Attack and defend. Attack and defend. Attack and defend. It's such a... It's such an energy-sucking pattern. This is one of the things that we work on in my Stop Playing Small retreat. Because one of the reasons why people play small is because they have diverted the lion's share of their energy into places where it only brings a lower vibration, lower and lower and lower vibration. And so they don't have the energy to stop playing small. They don't have the energy to live the life that's really important to them. And the whole thing about stop playing small is it's not about playing big. It's about no longer living in this lack, attack, limitation, and separation thinking. That's the smallness, the pettiness of life. And the the complaining uh What's the the Brits use the word whinging? I love that. Uh, I don't know what a whinge is, but whinging it just makes so much sense to me. It, fe- it sounds like what it feels like: the complaining, the whining, complaining mix of those things. Whinging isn't a word that we use in the United States. At least I don't hear people using it, and I I've I don't think I've ever said it before. <laughs> but I was watching some British show and they were talking about whinging and it just, yes, I get it. I get it. And I, I think it's a great choice for describing that complaining, whining experience. So in heaven, there is no contrast and there's no whinging. 
There is a sense of peace so deep that no dream in this world has ever brought even a dim imagining of what it is. Nothing in this world can give this peace, for nothing in this world is wholly shared, completely shared. Perfect perception can merely show you what is capable of being wholly shared, completely shared. It can also show you the results of sharing while you still remember the results of not sharing. So this is one of the things that I've been experiencing that the, the, one of my daily things is to share the peace of God to share the love, to share the compassion, and to broadcast it from my mind into the one mind. This is the greatest gift that we can offer, the sonship, which is all of humanity. And we can live a life without conflict. We really can. We can live a life without conflict. And we can be that place of peace and broadcast that peace to the world. That is supremely beneficial because... We're teaching it as we're broadcasting it to have, give all to all. So we're anchoring ourselves in the peace of God by broadcasting it to everyone else. And if we don't have a sense of how to do that, then we just say to the Holy Spirit, show me how to broadcast the peace. And for me, I I anchor into the peace that I feel and I see myself immersed in it as an energetic and I I place uh, in my visualization the earth inside this peace experience. I'm not going to call it a bubble because it has no beginning and no end. It's unlimited. It's infinite as is our creator because the spiritual nature of God is peace, among other spiritual qualities. So this this is being truly helpful. It's why we're here now, I believe, in this experience of the dream right now, is to be able to do this, to wake up. And every step of our awakening is something that we're sharing with all humanity. We're demonstrating it. We're the living representation of it and one of the most powerful things that I see with people in masterful living and finding freedom is that their family changes their workplace changes the people around them shift and change this is what I see is that people who for instance have children whether they're teenagers or adults who are having mental issues emotional issues physical issues, financial issues, all kinds of issues, self-esteem issues. When the, the person becomes a practitioner of pure spirit and pure love, then they are able to hold the people around them in the highest light. And that supports them in revealing what is already there. So in this uh, this uh, earlier paragraphs Jesus was talking about, you know, we we can't damage freedom, we can't damage love, we can't damage peace, we can't do anything to them. Their perfection is established, but what we can do is we can have the peace of God and share it with everyone. And through sharing of it, we anchor it for ourselves and experience it more fully. So I feel this is my spiritual responsibility to do this. And I'm grateful for it. And nobody has to thank me for it. Nobody has to notice me for it. That's not important to me. In fact, I I was watching earlier... Oh, by the way, i just like to mention, so Sundays with Spirit is our Sunday service that we do every Sunday. It's free. Anybody can join us. You do have to register one time for it because we're going to send you the Zoom link. So we don't want to post the Zoom link on social media. You do have to register it so we have your email. We can send it to you. And it does change sometimes. So Anyway, uh, I was the speaker last Sunday, which the date was uh, March 13th, 
And my topic was about praying for Putin and praying for and being with people who are showing up looking like an enemy and how to work with that. And sometimes it, it it's not what we feel like doing in the moment. For a moment, our ego says, I don't feel like talking with this person who's acting like a freaky monkey. No, I don't feel like doing that. Yet, that's the situation we find ourselves in. Maybe there's something that we're being guided to do, to say, to be. And so I, I talked about that in the Sunday service. And to me, this is being truly helpful. This is what our life is for. And when I am following Spirit's guidance, doing what I'm guided to do, I love it. I, even though I might not like some aspects of it, when I am obedient to the guidance I'm getting, I don't ever regret it. And so I was watching... I, I love Stephen Colbert, The Late Show. I like to get some of my news from <laughs> in a humorous way. I'm glad that there are options. I like Seth Meyers and Stephen Colbert and uh, folks like that. And uh, so he has this quiz that he asks people, celebrities, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And he asked Keanu Reeves... Um, what do you think happens when we die? And Keanu Reeves said, I know that our loved ones will miss us. Such a beautiful answer. And not trying to give a, a, an answer that would somehow be religious or anything remotely like that. And one of the questions Colbert asks is, uh, pick five words to describe the rest of your life. And so I started thinking about that. How would I answer that question? And I started to think, oh, this is tough because I want to say be of service, uh, be truly helpful, uh, things like that. So, but other people say things like, oh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. It's going to be uh, wealthy. Uh, I'm interested in being the light that I am. Truly, uh, that is my passion. And I'm so pleased to see that I'm experiencing it more and more. And I hope this encourages you. And I also hope and look forward to seeing you in one of our programs soon if you haven't joined us. I'm also thinking about doing my depression demolition again because it was so fruitful for people last year, my program to end depression by using spiritual tools. Well, let's rise above the battlefield now and forever. We are grateful and thankful that our wholeness is intact and so is our holiness. We're broadcasting it to the world, sharing the benefits with all. We let it be and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. God bless you. Mwah.